Algar Productions. Algar Productions. You are listening to the Post Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 342, covering Ceasefire and Future Tense with Gav Brown. Hi, friends. It's another week of Enterprise, but uh, hey, Gav's here. Yeah, that's, he sure is. That's something. Yay. I love Enterprise. <laughs> <laughs> he lied through gritted teeth. <laughs> you know, it's a it's an international crime to lie over, uh, <laughs> on a podcast. Yeah. Like they can they can bring you up on charges at the UN for lying across international borders like that. Yeah, the FCC is going to be on I mean, our ass. It's yeah. not as serious as lying on the internet, but it is quite bad. <laughs> the, the worst crime. I I thought the internet had like lie filters, so you couldn't lie on the internet. Uh, so. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, your inter- your internet lie blocker. Yeah, I thought that was just a standard thing. The internet filters out all lies and arguments, and uh, all you get is you know facts and pleasantness. Facts and cat pictures. Yeah. I'd be fine with that. I'd be fine with just the cat pictures, honestly. Can I just look at cat pictures for an hour and a half every week instead of <laughs> this? And then pick a good thing and a bad thing? Oh, I, I mean, I'd, quote? I'd struggle with a bad thing because cat the, pictures are great. Now, what's your quote, quote this week? Meow. Yeah. <laughs> we should get some dog pictures in there sometimes, too. That would be all right. <laughs> Listen, no episode of Star Trek, even the very best ones, will ever top that video of the golden retriever listening to his master play the guitar and look like he's smiling and dancing and yep. then look mad when he stops playing the guitar. That is the best video ever. And if you haven't seen it, I'll put it in the show notes. They're all good dogs, Brent. Yeah, but especially that can, one. Can that be my quote for the second episode? The, the dog <laughs> dancing to the guitar? Yes. Yes. Of course it can. Then that is... I mean, the show has a dog, so that's something, right? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, but we didn't see the dog in either episode. I know. Nope. We get to see Trip, though, which, according to Matt, is the other cute animal on Enterprise. <laughs> I'm not wrong. <laughs> He'll fetch a stick for you. He probably would, too. And, oh, boy. And I hear tell of a character called Travis, but I've not quite seen him yet. No one has seen him. I, you know, you're not the first person to say that, and it's uh, it's just not ringing any bells for me. <laughs> like I, It's like this weird conspiracy theory among our guests. They come on and they mention that name, and it's like, where do you do you guys all have a chat room where you put this thing together? Because I've never heard of it. No, he's the mysterious crew member that lives on the nineteenth floor that nobody's ever seen. <laughs> but the ship only has like fourteen decks, Matt. That's the exactly. mystery. Oh. <laughs> is he himself the ghost story that he tells? <laughs> no, he himself is an elaborate prank that he set up. Oh, right, because he's famous for doing pranks. I guess. Yep. It's- I don't know. Pranks and ghosts. Look, I would love for this to not be a joke and for that character to exist, but mm-hmm. uh, it just is not the case. Uh, actually, I didn't hate either of these two episodes, I have to say. they they I had some issues, like mm-hmm. always, but they, these were not the worst ones we've done. Uh, the, I think one dragged a little, I thought. But, uh, yeah, yeah uh, no, I, they yeah. were... I liked the first one, and the second one was boring. It had some moments I liked, mm-hmm. let's put it that way. There were a couple, there's been a couple where I was like, there is nothing to recommend this. I can't believe we made ourselves think of good things because I got nothing. Yep. Why do I show up here and lie every week? Yeah. <laughs> which, which is just going to get blocked by the internet lie filter. Uh-huh. So why would I even bother? What am I doing with my life? <laughs> 
Gav, I assume you you wanted to do this pair because of this first episode, right? Like, is that why you chose this, or was it more at random? No, I chose yes, because I wanted to do a Shran episode, and that was a Shran episode, and here we are. But then I asked you which one you wanted to, to uh, summarize, and you chose the other one. So. Yeah, I just thought I could make fun of that one better. <laughs> that's the Matt approach. Matt uh, always chooses the one he thinks he's not going to like, because he thinks he can get more jokes out of it. That's, that's, that's totally I mean, fair. It's worked up till now. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's totally fair. There's been a handful of times where it's like, oh, geez, I have to summarize Trials and Tribulations. Uh, yeah, mm. good luck with that. I'll be over here summarizing, <laughs> I don't know, some garbage. Yeah. <laughs> most of Voyager. <laughs> mm-hmm. This pile of garbage. <laughs> yeah, most of Voyager. That's what I said. <laughs> but no, this first one, I well, we'll get into it. But Matt, why don't you tell us about, about ceasefire? ceasefire? All right. So the Vulcans and the Andorians are caught in a stupid war over a pointless but strategically valuable planet near Vulcan space. The Andorians discovered it, terraformed it, loved it, and colonized it, but now the Vulcans want it because, as previously established, the Vulcans are assholes. Our old pal Shran, a.k.a. Jeffrey Combs, a.k.a. Brunt, a.k.a. Weyoun, a.k.a. Tyron, a.k.a. Pank, a.k.a. Krem, a.k.a. Holosuite Qu- Guest, is also there and figures he'll call his old pal Archer to come help him out, because if there's one thing people know about Archer, it's that he fucking hates Vulcans. <laughs> So Archer and Paul meet up with some Vulcan diplomat who's angry Archer is there at all. Trust me, pal, I know that feeling. <laughs> the diplomatic party takes a shuttle down to the planet and is immediately shot down. Because shuttles. <laughs> now on the planet, Archer and friends make their way to the meeting spot, constantly under fire by jerk Andorians. Then Archer gets his ass kicked by a giant blue Susie Plaxton, which is honestly not the worst way to go out. And then Shran throws up to, <laughs> to yell at everyone, and negotiations proceed like all diplomacy, slowly and over drinks. <laughs> Shran throws. That's tough. Shran throws. <laughs> I we I, I looked over your summary. Uh, you're actually here at at my place. We I were, am at your place. We're doing some final work on the the game we mentioned. We have coming out soon. I'm uh, on your plug, couch. Plug plug plug. Um, but uh, I looked over your summary. I'm like, did you make up some of these names of Jeffrey Combs' nope. roles? And you didn't. They're I all checked the memory. Uh, check the memory alpha article. Yeah, that is his full list of credits. So good job. Like all I... a sweet guest is from the last episode of DS9. Right. Well, sure. Oh yeah, because when they were um, when they're doing the uh, the, the last, Vic Fontaine uh, thing, yeah, yeah, and they wanted all the cast there, but he couldn't be Wayun because that would be weird. Yeah, yeah, that makes <laughs> sense. But now I, I was certain you, being you, mm-hmm. would have slipped one or two in that were not. Like, real. A.K.A. The, the Penguin. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Commodore Schmidlap, come on. I would watch him play the Penguin. Y- yeah? I mean, he was better as the question, mm-hmm. but, you know, he'd probably be a good Penguin, too. Yep. Pink Penguin. 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 <laughs> Dastardly fiend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's just watch that instead. Yes. Oh, definitely. Can we? Yeah. Now, this one wasn't bad. Like, I had some issues. We'll get into that in a sec. But, yeah. Uh, overall, like, uh, I, I like what they're building with the with the Andorians and mm-hmm. stuff. It's some decent stuff, I would say. Yep. In their war with the Vulcans. Well, that I like less. Which I'm not going to yell about because I yelled last week. <laughs> but what the fuck? Well, Kev, this is this is sort of broadly your good thing, right? The, the whole the, Andorian. The, the whole, yeah, it's just, well, not maybe specifically this episode, but fuck it. Uh, I do <laughs> like that they've uh, focused on the Andorians, you know, rather than the Klingons and all, um, mm-hmm. which probably would have been easy to do. And I'm considering it's Braga and Berman. I'm just surprised they'd even heard of the Andorians to even put them in their show. 
But yeah, it is a pleasant surprise. You're right. It's and almost it, like they invented a blue antenna race and then someone told them, <laughs> you know, there's there, there's actually one of these in, in the early part of the Federation. Wait, what? Take it out. Take it all uh, out. I don't yeah. want to talk about Star Trek. That show's gross. No, yeah. they, 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 invented a, they invented a green an- antenna race. And someone said, you know, if you make them blue, that would be the outdoorings. And they were like, oh, if oh, we have to. I don't know. I like green. <sighs> I am already in my pajamas. <laughs> Blue is awfully <laughs> 60s, and we know how we feel about that. Ugh, the 60s. That place is gross. The thing is, the, the the concept of a prequel show does lend itself to, okay, yeah, the Andorians are supposed to be a big, important part of all this. Mm. Who are they? And this is the place to do that. And so, yeah, it's cool that we're getting some of that finally. Because mm. we talked about this before. Did we see any Andorians in any, like, after the original series? I think one popped up in a cameo in one of the movies. Yeah, and, I like, think one was in a movie, but, uh, like, that's it, basically. Yeah. So it's nice. It's nice to see more of them. I mean, it makes sense because up till that point, it was real hard to do that make. Oh yeah, it was real hard to make that makeup not look shitty. And that's one of the good things about Enterprise is they took this very sixties. Like, I mean, the the uh, the different like the the crazy bright skinned alien with Mm. the antennae is the most like uh, (laughs) you know cheesy pulp alien you can think of and yeah. they made it look pretty cool like that yeah. <laughs> unless they're I, like here here's our new uh alien race uh robbie the robot yeah exactly <laughs> i do like that their antenna move yeah well, oh, they move, so cool. basically yeah they're not just rubber appendages they they seem to be actual organs that do things there's a there's a part yeah. uh when uh shran and Susie plax are discussing something and you can see another andorian in the background and his antenna perk up when he sees them talking it's real good. Yeah, it's not just that they move, it's that they put some thought into when they move and yeah. why and like when they're when they're surprised they stick straight up mm-hmm. and when they're being sneaky they sort of like wiggle around and it's, yep. it's neat. I like that. Also this episode didn't have a single scene where a shadow had uh uh antenna which they loved up to this point. Well, it's, they have a very distinctive shape. I I can understand why. What if an Andorian showed up? Ta-da! Yeah, antenna in the air. <laughs> like you just don't care. <laughs> yep, I do care actually. I mean, I, I still don't really feel like I know what their deal is just yet. But they do. They feel the the more we go on, the less they feel like Klingons. Like they f- what they feel like to me is like TNG Klingons. Like bit. they're mad all the time, but they've got honor and they're willing to like talk to uh, Starfleet. Guys. Right. No, I can definitely see that. I don't really understand. I like the relationship between Shran and Archer. I like that Shran mm. trusts Archer and he keeps reaching out to him. Yeah. I don't get where it came from. I watched all the episodes and I don't see a relationship there. The What's, show just told me there was one there. It was that episode where uh, he uh, shows them the Vulcan. No, no, no. I remember. Like, but I, I think don't... that was a big deal for him just because like, oh, this guy's not completely on the Vulcan side. Yeah, it's they haven't work with that. They haven't really bonded as friends though. None, no. Nothing about their personalities has sort of clicked. No, and I'd like to like I think that's what they need to do next. Yeah, have but. them spend some time together not in an emergency yeah. where you see them having a drink together or mm. something, you know. I don't know. It just, I don't buy that they're friends yet, but apart from that I like that Shran thinks that they're friends. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. You and I you and me, we're friends, right, human? Ah, uh, sure. I mean, everyone else <laughs> hates me, so I, mean, yes. I guess I'll take that. If if an alien any alien says I'm his friend, then that's a win for me. Hey, yeah. Archer. Which makes the line that Archer says, uh, convince Shran he can trust me weird, because he already does. It's the yeah. Vulcans, yeah, that's the whole it's point the of Vulcans you do, who don't trust you. Yeah, like Yeah. The whole reason he called for you is because he does trust you, dummy. Uh, Archer, do you know what's happening around you right now? 
I mean, I think you mean trained diplomat Jonathan Archer. Uh, of course, excuse me. Which, uh, Gav, I don't know. Like, I know you're probably not subjecting yourself to the show all over again. And which, if you are, why would uh, you? Yeah. Well, why would I? Yes. No. Yeah, yeah but in, is, a, in a relatively like, recent episode, in a, in a relatively recent episode, the, the Admiral uh, made a point of saying that Archer is a trained diplomat. And we were all just like, what? Wait, <laughs> Jonathan Archer? Yeah. This guy that we've been watching every week? I, uh, no. What? No, <laughs> sure you don't mean like Rick Archer down in it, <laughs> down in the uh... or Porthos Archer the yeah. dog, yeah. or Archer diplomat. the spy. That would be fine. Yeah, too. Sterling Archer. That would be okay. Yep. He's he's more diplomatic, and he's not diplomatic yeah, in any way. Like... In the way that I would replace Chakotay <laughs> with uh, Nick Offerman. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Matt, what was your good thing? It was finding my phone and. <laughs> Referring to the text document I have on it. That's not good. All right, here we go. So Archer's faith that Shram won't betray him was really good to see. Mm -hmm. This is a guy who was always just like, I don't trust. I don't trust any of these guys. Mm -hmm. Like he didn't trust to Paul for fucking like half that season. Like, so I, I don't know if he'd if it's just that he'd rather trust Shran than any other Vulcan or what. But like, it made him endearing, which is impossible. Well, they're starting to fix Archer. They're definitely yeah. not there yet, but he's better than he was in season one. But I love that scene when the at, right after the shuttle crashes, the Vulcan diplomat guy, whose name I will never remember, is like, "Okay, well, they shot us down. We're heading back to get picked up, like get picked up by the Vulcans." Mm -hmm. And Archer's like, "No, he didn't call me all the way here and bring you. <laughs> who, oh, and bring you, who he didn't, didn't expect, so that we could not have a fucking." dialogue like yeah why not just shoot us down like in orbit why yeah, bring us down here to something's wrong but it's not his fault right i like that what i like about all that was we cut like we saw things from the starfleet perspective and then we cut back to the andorians a few times and i kept waiting for them to contradict like to reveal that they were tricking everyone mm -hmm. that's usually the move it's usually cut back to these guys and it turns out they're lying yep. and they're they're waiting for the Starfleet guys to come into a trap. And the whole time it's like he's saying exactly like everything he said is true. Yep. And it was so refreshing to not have that dumb twist. Yeah. And just that guy's exactly what he says he is. That's, I mean, we still had Andorians trying to kill them, but like at least it was something different. Yeah, but that was dissent among the ranks. Yeah. That was there was an Andorian who didn't agree with what he was doing and fighting him. Yeah. And that's OK. I'll take that. Yeah. I just I'm tired of you got that the standard. No, we are we are not so different, you and I, Captain. We should run, be friends. We are your friends. And then and then he stabs them in the belly for yeah. whatever reason. I, I'm I'm sick of that. So it was cool. You can actually. It seems like we actually can. Like the audience, we can trust Shran, and I mm -hmm. like that. Um, my good thing. Yes. I mean, obviously, I'm going to say Susie Plaxon. Everyone is expecting me to say that, and I'm not going to let people down who ship me and Susie Plaxon. And I hope those people <laughs> exist because I do. Uh, no, really. This was sort of a, an all-star lineup of Star Trek, like, guest stars. Like, the mm -hmm. best guest stars of this era of Trek. You, I mean, Susie Plaxon, uh, putting my, you know, played-up crush on her aside, she's fantastic. She's yep. played a Vulcan and a Klingon and a Q and now an Andorian as entirely different, completely believable characters. Mm -hmm. And Jeffrey Combs did that long list that Matt read yep. of a Ferengi and a se several Wayoons and... Uh, and and a lot of assorted guys, and then this Andorian guy, and these <laughs> two, these two are like the heaviest hitters, yeah. among the guest stars. And I'm even going to give some credit to uh, Gary Graham, who plays the Vulcan ambassador, mm -hmm. who I was not super crazy about early on, but he's really growing on me. I quite like him now. I mean, as a guy who hates Archer too, so 
Yeah, got and, something to bond over. Exactly. There's there's that great line, uh, Gav, that you had pointed out uh, near the, the end. Very end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, uh, where he said you weren't especially meddlesome. Yeah, <laughs> which we know, following Vulcans, that is high praise. Uh-huh. Like I could see Sarek <laughs> saying that to someone. Hey, buddy. You weren't too meddlesome. You didn't completely fuck this one up. Good job. Now, if you excuse me, I'm giving my consciousness to my daughter. Hey, hey, spoilers. Yeah. No, I I like, like, he's really growing on me. Mm -hmm. And I would even start putting him not quite in the same level as as those two, but definitely a guest star that I look forward to seeing. And they're starting to, like, build a world, like, not nearly as close as DS9, where you have a lot of extended you know, cast that you're excited to see again, mm-hmm. but they're, they're building more characters than just the six and Travis that we have and, and making like make building a world that we're interested. Oh, Garrick's back this week. Great. Yeah. You know, yeah. like I want that in a show like this, where there's a lot of sort of peripheral characters that come back regularly and you're excited to see them. Yeah. So that was cool. And half the reason I liked the episode was because I knew we were in good hands with those guys. Mm-hmm. You know, it was great. And okay, yeah, because this is the sexy Star Trek, Susie Plaxon like was showing all kinds of cleavage. And yeah, you know, no, they know why the people show up. I mean, putting aside my, you know, exaggerated creepsterness, do you have to do that with everyone always? Really? Come on, man. Just uh, why? I mean, at least in Voyager, she wore like a uniform. Yeah. I, uh, it just, this show always, someone's always got to take their shirt off or, or something. This might be the only time she's actually had cleavage. On I, it might be. And because I, Kalar wore that, like. Yeah. And I'm not, and I'm not thing. saying don't show cleavage. I'm just saying on this show, they always like, so all the Andorians dressed fairly conservatively, except this one mm-hmm. who's just got her tits hanging out. Yep. Like, oh, come on, man. It just, it was, it was a little like this show, it's pattern of just. Everyone's got to be naked all the time. It's just We're getting a little sexy. tired. We're the yeah. sexy show. No. I liked her character, though. I yeah. liked Shran was sort of the, like, okay, I'm tired of fighting. We got to we gotta fix this. And she's like, fuck that. We're fighting. We're no, fighting like for the, a reason, and we need to keep fighting. I like the, uh, I'm tired of fighting, too. So we should probably win. Yeah. <laughs> no, I liked, I liked <laughs> those which, two. Which those is, two is a noble approach. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Why, why, are we, why are we stretching this out? Why don't we just end it? Yeah. That's not a bad position. You know what we should do? Kill some Vulcans. Yeah. That sounds real good to me right now. <laughs> I, I mean, and again, it, this feeds back into the Vulcans are not what we want them to be. Yeah. Because I don't imagine the Vulcans having a war with anyone. Yeah, like... My version of the Vulcans in my head is they're pacifists. Mostly. Yeah, like, that's diplomacy right there. Like, yeah. you're going hard into, like, diplomacy. You don't fucking, like, just start... You don't land on a planet and just start shooting the people that live there because this planet's too close to where you live. Yeah. Like, that's real fucking shitty. When you compared it to the Falklands, which is like... Yep. Matt, Matt that is a surprising uh, reference coming from you. What Simpsons episode is that from? <laughs> I read it in an Adrian Mole book, book when I was in, like, third grade. Huh. I barely know what the Falklands are except from a Simpsons episode, mm-hmm. so... Uh... <laughs> Well, there's supposed to be the clone one, yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Just been informed the Falkland Islands are under attack. <laughs> Repeat, the Falklands are under attack. Yeah. No, it's it, it definitely is that kind of thing where it's like, who who cares about this little dirt ball? Mm-hmm. Except, sorry, people who live in the Falklands. But uh, <laughs> I'm sure it's lovely there. <laughs> but it's close to something strategic. So, yeah. No, I've just been informed they're, that it's not just lovely living there. there. They're just living there out of spite. 
<laughs> so like the Maquis. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so kill them. Kill them all. <laughs> kill them all. Um, yeah, and there was that bit at the beginning where uh, T'Pol uh, likened it to Klingons living on, you know, living on Pluto. Mm-hmm. And then a trip was, that's not the same thing. It should have. They should have had uh, Ron Howard as a voiceover saying it totally was. <laughs> Except Pluto's not a planet. Except maybe by then it was again. Yep. It, it's been it's gone back and forth about eight times at this point. Right. Then it got eaten by a Borg ship, so it doesn't really matter. They did. Yeah. Was that canon? one of the books? Uh, oh, in the books. <laughs> the books. When the Borg invade uh, Earth, uh, they send a sphere <laughs> that swallows Pluto whole. <laughs> This will end the debate once and for all. That was what was written. Oh, boy. It's a Peter David book, so oh, you well. get a lot of that shit. Oh, that's fine. <laughs> that's the kind of thing that could only happen in a book. Yeah. Right. The, a I don't board know. ship eats a planet. Yep. <laughs> um, and it was like, oh. Yeah, it was exactly like, oh. <laughs> uh, Gavo, was your bad thing? My bad thing? Um, yes. Why have all that pointless fighting and then miss out on the negotiations completely at the end? Mm-hmm. Like, like, oh, why yeah. just cut to and they all magically agree what they do? That was easy. It's it's almost like writing shooting is is a lot easier than writing complex dialogue. Yeah, funny that. <sighs> yeah, my my that was actually my bad thing was I was actually enjoying it and then seriously there was like twenty minutes of just running and shooting phasers and yeah you're absolutely right the the interesting thing like have a little bit of that because people want to see some action but just a bit and then come back to character stuff like negotiating like what would the Vulcan ambassador want and what would the Andorians want and that would be interesting to hear yeah well well, there's nothing it would just literally cut to hooray we were all drinking now and we've agreed yep Uh although I do like they're drinking over well that sucked yeah (laughs) let's not do that again (laughs) And the thing is, as a bigger picture thing, I do like this being the story of how a human kind of stepped into an old conflict and mm. made these guys become friends. I don't, I don't buy that it's Archer doing it. No, but in in terms of Star Trek, I like that part of the forming of the Federation involves us stepping in and saying, "Hey, you guys actually have more in common than not. Yeah, why don't you stop fighting? That's not a bad thing to do. Mm. I just wish I believed that Archer was the one doing it. Yeah, it could it could be done better. Yeah. But it's not a bad idea for a story. No. Just not this story. Like, when people were telling me what Enterprise is about, it's like, oh, this is the kind of crap I'm here for. Yeah. Exactly. Founding of the Federation. Yeah. What Andorians are like. I also want to see some Tellarites, which I believe we will later. Yep. Well, so far, we've only seen the infamous Tellarite Gav. <laughs> so, let's see more of them. No, no. Tellarite Gav. Yes, exactly. That's his full name. Tellarite oh, is it? Gav. Well, that's probably one of those copyright things mm-hmm. where you have to say, like, Marvel's Valkyrie. <laughs> yep. Because otherwise, you know. Marvel's Tellarite Gav. <laughs> you from Mattel. A, a Spike Lee joint. Uh, Matt, what was your bad thing? Yeah, so that thing I was talking about with Archer and about how I was impressed by him and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so on the other hand, the second, the second he finds out that the Vulcans want him for, uh, need him for something, he turns into the smuggest fucking asshole on the planet. Like every time. Just sort of walks up to the uh, the diplomat, just like, oh, the Andorians wanted me for something. Oh, they want me and not you? Yeah. Me, great Captain Archer? Ah, uh, that's what I thought, uh-huh. Oh, so you're saying that the lowly human can't uh, has yeah. to do something that all the Vulcans just couldn't for a hundred years. Is that what you're telling me? Well, I'll just skip over here and take care of it. 
Could you could you read that to me again? I'm not sure I heard you. They want Captain Who for their negotiations? Who's oh, the best? Archer. And who's the best captain that you need more than anyone else? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Whisper it to me. No wonder the Vulcans <laughs> hate him. I hate him, and I'm not a Vulcan. Later, a Vulcan threw a rock at me. <laughs> he had it coming. <laughs> Uh, there was a point where they referred to their previous treaty with the, the Vulcans referred to their previous treaty with the Andorians and they called it the Treaty of 2097. Mm. Why would they use Earth years? It's just one of those. Maybe it was on Earth. Uh, it's, it's, it's one of those it's things. An Andorian, that it's an Andorian year and it just so happens it's two years ago. Oh, yeah, that that uh, you're no prizes <laughs> in the mail. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, good enough. No, and you know, I don't fixate on stuff like that. It's just like, that's such an easy thing to not do. Well, yeah, it's a bit, it's a bit like uh, name of an animal and then space before or something like that. Yep. Yeah. Well, I uh, in our last supplemental, a listener wrote in and said, what Archer does is he goes to alien zoos and just names things after Earth animals. <laughs> oh, this is an Andorian slug. And this is an Andorian cat. And this is, you know, and then they just call it that. Rigelian pig. I yep. called it. Yep. It's a, it looks like a pig and I saw it on Rigel. So it's a Rigelian pig. Done. Who let this guy do this? Shut up. <laughs> I mean, he's he's such a like xenophobic jerk. He absolutely would do that. Just kicking his way into the, into space zoos. Yep. Oh, and and as we as we uh, said before, then Trip would just be excited. Captain, I'm going to the monkey house. I got to see a monkey. <laughs> uh-huh. Also, I want to see him in the alien zoo and just like keep finding humans that have been kidnapped over the years. <laughs> in every in every science fiction show ever. Yep. It's a zoo. Yeah, we know. I. Captain Pike, <laughs> what are you doing here? You shouldn't even be here yet. Beep. <laughs> Why did you say beep? <laughs> Uh, what else? What else indeed? The Vulcan number one is Barney the Accountant from uh, Parks and Recreation. Oh. Oh, wow. Nice. I'll take that. Yeah. That's a much better show than this. Yeah. <laughs> we saw Jerry from Parks and Rec show up uh, a different time. That was so. great. Yeah, it was That great. was a great surprise. Yeah, it was. If we could get everyone <laughs> from Parks and Rec on an episode of Star Trek at some point. That would be fantastic. Well, as we get like as we get more modern, as we get, you know, now we're doing shows from like 2002. Mm-hmm. We're definitely going to start seeing more people we recognize in current shows. That's so that'll true. be that'll be a fun surprise. Like in the 90s, I don't remember most of those people. <laughs> yeah, Colin Aubrey Plaza shows up on Discovery. I mean, she'd make a great Vulcan. Yep, she'd make an even better Romulan. Yep. <laughs> uh, what else? Oh, I, I like you guys mentioned the the toasting at the end that this sucked with the the line was uh let's celebrate our mutual dissatisfaction <laughs> that's, a, that's a perfect diplomatic toast everyone's miserable let's have a drink mm-hmm. quite good i like the uh the sh- the enterprise or enterprise pulling in between the two ships that are about to fight oh yeah just as like a pe- like trip just is on the uh, trips and charges oh yeah we didn't mention that trip had a had a part in this in this yeah. incident as well Get the ship in between those other ships. I'm going to use my body as a safety net. <laughs> the thing is that is that has historical precedent. There are a lot of like incidents that have been defused because the third party just happened to be there. Yeah. And, well, I don't know if there's a lot, but there's one or two I, I know of. Gav knows history a lot better than I do, but uh, I know there's definitely been times where, where that sort of thing's happened. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. As, Start long as, there, out. as long as there are no follow-up questions, yeah. Uh, very well. Maybe I'm thinking of movies. 
Um, that's, that's probably it. Like when the X-Men stopped the uh, Cuban Missile Crisis. Oh, of course, yeah. Yes. In history. Yeah, that happened. Which was when, uh, which was when the Andorians uh, landed on Cuba. Uh-huh. But then the Vulcan didn't want them there, so no way. I'm getting confused. Oh, yeah, it's the Treaty of 1960-something. Ich bin ein Andorian. I am a hamburger? Yes. Uh, what? Oh, uh, the um, the ho- the whole action sequence in the middle. Oh, I want to get back to that for yeah. a sec, just because, like, I'm here for a good action sequence. If it like, I'll watch some guys run around and shoot each other. Yeah, but does this show do good action sequences? It really, didn't do it this time. I know yeah. that for certain. Like, I'm I'm all for it too, and I can't think of a lot of Star Trek shows that do good action. The movies do. Mm-hmm. The shows is usually like, okay, now here's where an action part. Goes. Well, because they're expensive. Yeah, yeah, which is fine. But if you know that's your weak spot, don't keep doing it. Uh-huh. That's what I'm saying. Like, there's ways to work around that. I just, like, as I'm watching them shoot at each other behind, from behind very small walls, I'm just like, I played this video game, and I hate escort missions. <laughs> it's true. Uh, oh, there there was, um, toward the end, when they're in the, like, besieged uh, headquarters area, mm-hmm. uh, the lighting was different. I think there was, like, some fire and stuff, and the Andorian makeup, I thought, looked really fake in that light. Like, the Andorian, we talked about it before, they actually look pretty cool, but it, when you change the lighting, it's yeah, like, oh. Yeah, close-ups on light, it's like, eh. Yeah, yeah when under, like, firelight or whatever, this looks very, like, makeup on a different colored skin mm-hmm. and not, like... You're actually blue. That that, that kind of spoils the mm. effect a little. I thought. Shame on you, Enterprise. Yeah, we'll we'll go with that. Um, I quite like Archer's gray jumpsuit thing. Um, oh yeah, yeah, those yeah, well, yeah, those were good. I'd like the costumes on the show for the most part. Mm. And yeah, that was that was pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and other things happened. Other things happened. Or did they? Uh, I think we covered most of it, unless you have anything else, Gav. Uh, just to reiterate, uh, Archer said, I don't like Vulcans, um, so he's not the best ambassador. Yeah, that's not what I would call very diplomatic. I would almost say that's like, going like while he was your... While he was with the Vulcans and the Andorians, he said, I don't like Vulcans. Good, we're off to a real good diplomatic start there. I mean, isn't there Star Trek precedence for... A captain hating a race that he's supposed to be making peace with. I feel like we covered that in a movie somewhere. It's like going into, like, you're going to negotiate, like, a war treaty between two people on Earth and just like, by the way, I hate these guys. Yeah. Gross. No, it's, it's exactly like Star Trek VI. Yeah. Kirk says, I never I, I never trusted Klingons. And then he's supposed to be helping mm-hmm. peace with the, like, well, no. Let's maybe get someone who's not yeah. this guy. That but was Exhibit was... A in the trial against him. <laughs> yeah, but he wasn't the ambassador. He was just... Yeah, but you shouldn't have him friend. You shouldn't have him front and center in in the the peace talks. The official uh the yeah. official designation friend of ambassador. Yeah. <laughs> Look, I go where this guy goes, okay? Mm-hmm. That's oh, our Spock, team. we go into a we could go uh, do some diplomacy. Uh captain, you might not want to come along on this one. Why wouldn't I come along on this one? Look, I'm welcome wherever I go. I I will I will make it my business to be welcome wherever I go. <laughs> they will welcome me. Hey, everybody, Kirk's here, and I brought Spock with me. (laughs) I'm sorry for him. (laughs) Spock spent his entire career just apologizing for Jim. I'm sorry, we're friends, but I should have left him at home. I'm sorry. I'm here too, you (laughs) green-blooded hobgoblin. I can't go anywhere. (laughs) Yeah, but he knows when to calm down. He knows when it's... uh... 
when it's appropriate to knock it off and let let the grown-ups talk. Spock, I'm tired of waiting in the car. <laughs> <laughs> the what? game you gave me ran out of batteries. I'm bored. <laughs> and you le- and you yeah. left the windows up. <laughs> ah, perfect. I want to go back to that show. Let's watch that. Yep. All right. Uh, Gav, you got an alternate title for us? Yes. I certainly do. <laughs> We're all so good at stalling while we find it. I have to go back to my planet now. Um, Why don't you tell us about it? <laughs> I will. Only Klingons can go to Pluto. Quite good. Yep. Uh, Matt, what do you got? Shran so far away. Well, they can't all be gems. <laughs> that was that was okay. I I smirked the first time I saw it. I was about to say laughed, and I don't want to oversell. Let's not it, go nuts here. You know. My facial expression changed ever so slightly. <laughs> That's okay. I phoned mine in, too. Uh, <laughs> Trip keeps his shirt on. An unlikely tale of diplomacy. God, that is unlikely. Yeah. This is like, we've had a, like, Gav, you haven't seen this. this is, there were like three or four episodes in a row where where Trip ends up shirtless. This is like the first time he hasn't, so. They're it's, making me cap him? I gotta get my shirt off. It's, it's worth <laughs> remarking on. He, so right now he's taking a shirt off more than like season one Shatner. Uh-huh. Which is a lot. That seems almost impossible. Yeah, I know. Uh, Matt, you got a quote for us? I do got a quote. This is just a line I thought was funny. No offense, but my ears are less likely to draw fire than yours. What is their fixation with our ears? I believe they're envious. Oh, yeah. Well, it's good for them to call out the ear thing, Mm because I'm sick of it, too. Plus, I like T'Pol's dry wit. I, she she's funnier than they give her credit for. None yep. of the humans ever recognize when she's being funny, but she often is. Mm-hmm. Ah, she's just not appreciated that one. All right, uh, moving on. Gav, why don't you tell us what happens in future tense? I certainly. W- I wish it was future tense, as in like, the thing you stay in. Yeah, like like multiple tents. These are my future tents. <laughs> <laughs> I will have them one day. Uh, Enterprise comes upon a ship adrift. Archer brings it on board like some kind of macabre pinata, and they find a dead human on board. Uh, Archer wonders if it's Zephyr and Cochrane, but then he wonders that about everything. <laughs> oh, and the ship is bigger on the inside than outside, or as we Doctor Who fans like to say, dimensionally transcendental. A Suleban vessel appears and, and then lays claim to the vessel they fire on the Enterprise. In the bay, two cloaked Suluban appear next to the vessel and attack Tucker and Malcolm before they're forced to retreat. The box found in the ship seems to be a black box which could reveal info about it. Or, as more likely in these ARC episodes, it won't. Flux has found that the human has other species' DNA in him and that several species have interbred with the human's ancestors. Archer and T'Pol goes to Crewman Daniel's quarters for a database of the future, or the Star Trek Encyclopedia, as it's also called. <laughs> they discover the ship is powered by temporal mechanics, which is why the Suleban want it. How do they know it's there? Who knows? <laughs> oh, and then the Tholians turn up. Trip and Malcolm uh, power up the black box, and before you can say temporal incursion, they're in a time loop and start to recognize the conversations from before. Insert your own Enterprise dialogue joke here. The ship is then sealed off. T'Pol reasonably suggests destroying the ship, since a risk analysis shows it's a bit risky. Archer says he's tired of the temporal war. I'll just leave that there. Turns out the box generated a subspace signal when it was turned on. It's like they've no idea what it was and just turned it on. 
They're en route to a Vulcan vessel when Suleban fire on them. The Vulcan vessel is almost being destroyed by Tholians. Archer thinks if they turn on the mystery box, it'll bring the future people. Or it could just kill them all. As they back up, they take a torpedo down to the vessel. Meanwhile, the Suleban are getting destroyed by the Tholians, who then take the vessel, which then disappears along with the corpse. Another mystery not solved. Hooray. Hey, let's not explain anything. <laughs> also, macabre piñata is, is one of the best turns of phrase I think the show has mm-hmm. ever seen. Good job on that. I was, I was uh, yeah, I expected to fuck that one up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, you did a better job with your summary than they did with this episode. <laughs> wow. Well. Taking another trip back to the old temporal cold war. That, that. Great sense make temporal cold war. Anybody else when they're watching these episodes and someone goes, Oh no, the Suluban just goes, Ugh. Yep. The thing is, the first part of this episode was kind of interesting until all that happens. Well, I love a good mystery in space exclamation point. But, I uh, don't like the way Brandon Braga writes <laughs> mysteries, but there there is there are people who can write them well. Mm-hmm. And there are other writers on this show. Did so he write this one I presume? He didn't actually. No. We're starting to get into episodes where those guys weren't like like we had seriously not exaggerating 30 episodes in a row story by Braga and Berman. It's like they, they wrote the outline for the whole series for like the first season and a half. And we're finally starting to get into episodes that they didn't do. So that's nice. But uh, no, I I like a good mystery too, if it's by a decent writer, but Uh, yeah, I didn't like the solution. Well, again, I was talking about this earlier and it's it's so X-Files where it's just like, show you a bunch of confusing, weird questions that you're interested in the answer to, and then don't answer them. Yeah. No, this shows, like, it thinks the Temporal Cold War is a fascinating mystery that they're slowly teasing out for us. And I've yet to meet, I am sure a listener will write in and say, I loved this, but mm-hmm. most people I've talked to, all our regular guests, nobody cares. Yeah. Like, it's not that interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It doesn't help that ultimately it was never explained at all. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I read a book that had to, like, after the series come out and explain all the stuff that they didn't explain. Yeah, which is ridiculous. Yeah, you should not have to do that. But, you know. Plus, they, they, didn't, they didn't have an answer either. No, it was a lost thing where they're just like, yeah, we'll get to this eventually, I guess. Yeah. And uh, just... Uh, that's it. That's, that's, my, that's uh, my review of this episode. <laughs> that's my review of all of Enterprise. No, there, nah. was, there were some good things in here, though. There were some good, like... This was one of those episodes where, yeah, there was a bunch of dumb stuff going on, but it also slowed down and gave us a lot of, like, character, like, cute moments. Like, like I don't love Malcolm. We've made it no secret that he's our least favorite. <laughs> yeah. But there was a cute scene between him and Trip where they're working together and trying to figure out what this thing is, and it wasn't terrible. Mm-hmm. And there's, there were a couple of scenes like that where it's like they paired up characters, and it's just sort of them talking and a little bit of plot, but mostly character. Yep. And I like that kind you of thing. You find out that Trip wants to meet a Stegosaurus because he is five. Of course he does. If I could time travel, I want to meet a Stegosaurus. <laughs> Not, I would like to see a Stegosaurus. No, meet. Become friends with. Hello, Stegosaurus. I'm Trip. Yeah, I guess you can't shake hands with those big, big stumps, but uh, I'm asking for permission to pet you on the head. (laughs) Ah, you're all wrinkly like an elephant. (laughs) I like you, Stegosaurus. He says that that to actual people as well. (laughs) You're all wrinkly like an elephant. I'm your grandmother. (laughs) I love you, grandmother. (laughs) We should also point out in the in the post series novel, Trip is a secret agent. Don't tell nobody. Section 31, for real. Of course he does. 
Keep it under your straw hat. <laughs> uh, now there was there was a decent amount of stuff I actually liked in mm-hmm. this, and the reappearance of the Tholians was great. Like I, the Tholian web, I have said many times, my favorite episode of the original series. Mm. I'm real sick of this show doing that thing where it's like, well, we met them, but we didn't see them. Yep. Like we've done that three times now, mm-hmm. and. Uh, it's like, do you not want to show them? Are you trying to avoid some continuity loophole where we've never technically met them? It's dumb. Just well, use the, them or don't use them. The Tholians are very expensive, whereas we can just show a ship and have them scream at us. I liked all that. That, um, this is my bad thing. That scream does not translate well when you're watching the show with headphones on. Oh, it was. it's supposed to be <laughs> an ear-splitting cacophony. Well, then it, it succeeds magnificently. Yeah. <laughs> no, I like that. I like whenever... The aliens are not easily understand understood, and you know it was like, oh, I've never heard someone who sounds like that before. I hope Matt isn't, and I like, never will again. I hope Matt isn't collapsing on the ground right now. I got bad news. <laughs> Your agonizer, please. <laughs> yeah, no, I I liked that, and I do know they will actually physically show up in another episode in, of Enterprise later, and I will be disappointed at how they look, but that's for a later mm-hmm. episode. For now, it's cool to see, and the ships looked similar to their original series ships, like they. Change the design slightly, but it, I could definitely look at that and say, yeah, that's a Tholian ship, yeah. just like in, in the original episode. That's cool. Mm-hmm. It was neat, and it was cool to bring in a, a, a race we hadn't seen before. I like I'll that. I'll take it. Yeah. I like those guys. Mm-hmm. I like that we don't know much about them is what I like about those guys. It's one of those things where they could easily ruin it by explaining them and making them boring, but right now I like them. Mm-hmm. They make webs. That's all I know. They love their webs. Uh-huh. Therefore, they must look like spiders. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> anyway uh Gav, what was your good thing my good thing was yep i do like the idea of a future artifact uh being fought over by past civilizations mm-hmm. it's just kind of cool that you've got something that pe- people just want because it's from the future and they're all fighting over it like uh I don't know Neanderthals or whatever, but no, it's, it's, just... it's very basic sci-fi in a good way. Mm-hmm. Like it's a it's a cool concept mm. that you could do a lot of different things with. But it's just it's just like they show us this, all this. It cool wasn't stuff, the right? best in this. Yeah, no, it wasn't. But it, like having the 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 mummy, as I started calling it, yeah, being made up of all these different races' DNA and stuff. Like that's cool. That's interesting. And having this weird infinite ship that we only just start to explore before it disappears. Like, all this stuff catches my interest. I want to learn more about it, but instead I don't learn anything about it at all. Well, in in particular, the DNA thing is cool because Flox basically gives a hint to, like, one day all you guys aren't going to just be humans and Vulcans and Andorians or whatever. Mm. At some point in the future, all you guys are going to be part of one big thing, and it's going to be totally fine for you guys to interbreed, and that's... That appears to just be a thing in the future. You're all going to join hands on a hilltop and drink a Coke. I mean, yeah, that sounds a little <laughs> cheesy, but but seriously, like, to give them a glimpse and to say one day you're not just going to be humans. Mm-hmm. Like, one day a human can bang an Andorian. And on that day. That yeah. Great getting up morning. No, it's, I like when these guys get a glimpse of what's, like, what might happen later. Yeah. That, that part, I hate all the time stuff. But just broadly speaking, I like hinting that maybe... You guys will put all your differences aside and actually do something kind of cool. And I like mm-hmm. that. And plus any excuse to hang out with flocks. Yes. <laughs> I like that. I found a corpse I can play with. <laughs> oh, he was so excited, too. Look at all the weird crap in here. Look at this. this is th- okay, so I found some human DNA, some Vulcan DNA, an old tire, a license plate. 
<laughs> appears to be some Nickelodeon gack. <laughs> they don't, I didn't even think they made this anymore. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. Matt? Oh, go ahead, Gav. I was going to just say, I liked his line. I found another nucleotide sequence in the pilot's genome. It appears to be Rigelian. <laughs> that corpse is full of surprises. Best <laughs> line in the episode. Maybe best line in the series. Yeah, so far. This corpse is full of surprises. Um, Matt, what was your good thing? Uh, uh, yeah, the hated Daniels doesn't appear in this episode, even though he's mentioned, so that's good. I was happy to, hear, to see that. I mean, they did go back to his uh, quarters, though. I am... I'm going to take this good thing and make it into a bad thing. I'm so sick of them going to Daniel's haunted quarters. <laughs> oh. Well, they always they always have a cheat code. They always have like a, here's a room we can go to if something doesn't make sense yep. where we could just have all the answers. That's dumb. But, but then they, they didn't have no, all the they answers. No, they didn't. But they, they should have keep... gone there, and Spock should have been there to tell them all about Khan. Yeah, it definitely <laughs> feels like that. You're absolutely Stay away right. from Khan. Yep. No, and the fact that they've a couple of times made it a point to say, okay, this is a database of things that haven't happened yet. We shouldn't look at this. But then they keep going back and looking at it anyway. Mm -hmm. Like, destroy it if you're not supposed to look at it, or give it to Starfleet Intelligence or something. I just want there to be like an old groundskeeper that hangs around in there now, just like, oh, you shouldn't go down to the old Daniel's place. (laughs) And they should call it the old Daniel's place. We, We shouldn't look at this. Or should we? No, Trip. stop saying that. <laughs> or should I? He's always the one who just sticks his head in the frame and says, or should we? Stop it, Trip. damn it. And stop making ghost sounds when we're exploring. <laughs> well, now you just sound like Men Talk the Mind Taker. That's fine, too. All right. I'm Men Talk the Mind Taker. <laughs> uh, my good this. thing is, uh, yeah, for the first part of this episode, as Gav mentioned, uh, they thought, this might be Zephram Cochran's mm. legendary missing ship, which, uh, and this is a pretty deep cut. Like we remember, cause we've seen all of Star Trek. A lot sure. of people might not remember that Zephram Cochran appeared in an episode of the original series mm-hmm. cause his ship had gone missing and he ended up, uh, with this alien called, what was it? The, it wasn't the caretaker, the companion. That was it. Yeah. That was it. I was gonna say Jimmy. <laughs> Jimmy. Yeah. That was my next, that yeah. was my next guess. No, the companion, like when Kirk finds him, he's been missing for a hundred years yeah. or 200 years or whatever. And it's cool to acknowledge the show actually remembered a piece of continuity and said to these guys from their POV, Cochran disappeared and no one still knows where he is. Yeah. And, and he was, left in like experimental warp. Like, yeah. Which is what they said in the, in the original series yeah. that actually hangs together. He left earth to try a new, like to top his old discovery mm-hmm. and disappeared. No one's ever, and, like no, and one, no one ever, ever seen him again. Him. Yeah. And, Archer knowing that mm. and it being a mystery and saying we found an Earth thing, maybe it's Zephram Cochran. He's missing. Like yeah. that was a nice bit of like the show's so hesitant to acknowledge stuff like that. It was it was a pleasant surprise to see, oh God, these guys, if nothing else, read the uh, aforementioned Star Trek encyclopedia mm. or maybe even actually watched an episode of Star Trek. So that was yeah. cool. Good work, guys. Yeah. One in a row. Mm-hmm. Um, What else? Before we get into bad things, I feel like there were more good things to talk about. There was a bit where Paul sat down, and I quite like that. It just was quite <laughs> alien. Mm-hmm. Mm. I, but yeah, you probably didn't notice it, but I, for some reason no. I did. Huh. Uh, there was something else I liked. I like the little device Malcolm uses for uh, bedazzling denim jackets. What? 
There's a little. He, there's a part where he's working on something or other, and he pulls out a little uh, gun thing, and I'm like, "Why do I know that? Oh, that's a bedazzler. How do you know a bedazzler? I had a teenage sister. Oh, that's fair. I would have much rather said, like, well, I had a bedazzling phase. I had fl- I like flair. <laughs> Gav, if you're unfamiliar, if any of the listeners are unfamiliar, it is a small device for putting rhinestones on anything you want. Mm-hmm. Anything. The sky is the limit. Yeah. And only because you can't reach it with your bedazzler. Only because the sky isn't a solid object that you could bedazzle. But otherwise, you could bedazzle the ground if you wanted. You could Coach saying bedazzle in there. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I do like the running joke with T'Pol, where she insists that time travel doesn't exist yep. in the face of constant time travel. Mm-hmm. She just stands her ground. And at this point, she knows. Well, now it's a spite thing. Yeah. Well, no, but also it's kind of a joke with her. Uh-huh. Like I said before, she's she's funnier than they give her credit for. And her saying there's no such thing as time travel is is clearly ironic because she's seen tons of evidence that there is. Mm-hmm. But she nope, no such thing as time travel. I like the line at the end where uh, Archer's like, yeah, you're going to tell the Vulcan council about the about uh, humans someday breeding with Vulcans? And she goes, they're going to, I think they'll probably believe in the time travel first. Yeah, that well, was good. I do, I do like the time travel not being logical so Vulcans never do it. Yeah. I just think that's quite a good idea. Well, they, they can't find any, like, the Vulcan Science Academy can't find any, like, theoretical reason it should exist, so they don't even pursue it. Just like, well, the numbers don't work, so therefore it can't happen. The end. I like that. Yeah, it falls in line with what I know about these Vulcans, that uh-huh. they don't want to do anything. Yeah. And I don't think Except we've ever seen the Vulcans travel in time. Well, I don't... apart from Spock. Moving that, on. But, but Spock <laughs> hanging out with humans. I don't yeah. know that we've seen Vulcans on their own doing it. So, uh, what else? Uh, we have bad things to do. I just, I wanted to, cause I felt like I liked a fair amount of this. Mm. I wanted to talk about this stuff before we tore it apart. Uh, that might be it though. Oh, I, another fucking time loop. Like where I don't understand when people are aware of time loops. That makes no sense to me. No, like the very idea of the time loop should be like, it just keeps happening. It happens forever. Yeah. Like, and discovery actually did this and we won't go into too much detail just yet, but they did one where someone was aware of it and it made sense because they had established that this character had some different mm-hmm. awareness. It's like when Guinan was aware of the, the timeline changing, like, okay, yeah, Guinan's got some weird shit going on. Maybe, yeah. maybe that's why, but these guys like Trip and Malcolm should not be able to learn that they're repeating. I mean, both of those guys have weird shit going on, but that, is, that has <laughs> nothing to do with uh, their spatial awareness. Yeah, that's true. Or temporal awareness. Or temporal awareness. Or when we are. <laughs> I, How many times when they, ahead, when they when they oh, sorry I was just gonna say when they started repeating lines and you know each other's lines and things I was expecting one of them to say mistletoe can be deadly if you eat it. <laughs> and then the other one, I was gonna ask you how many times in the history of Doctor Who and I don't I don't expect it like a precise number but did it happen a lot where someone said where are we and then someone else said or when are we? Did that happen a lot or is that just American sci-fi that does that? I think it's American sci-fi. I don't. Okay. I mean, I mean, I don't recall it happening a lot. It wasn't like a cliche. Because, is what I'm getting at. Probably because it is a. I mean, I'm sure it did happen, but it, probably because it is a time travel show, you don't didn't really get that in a lot. Yeah, like uh, they yeah. did it like the first episode, and it's like, okay, right. we're done now. It's it's one of those cliches in every time travel story that I'm so sick of, and I'm just wondering if the the long running time travel show ran that into the ground or not, and it seems like they didn't. So good for them. No, that's the guy on all the time travel missions who gets a good smack. Yeah, <laughs> or when we are. Shut up. Or Stop. how are we? We're all uh, fine. Excellent. You know what, Bill? <laughs> uh, Kevin, what's your bad thing? 
What was my bad thing? Uh, oh, my bad thing, unsurprisingly, as I mentioned it seven times in the summary, is uh, literally nothing is explained or resolved. Not even there stuff isn't. from this very episode. No, we feel no closer to, like, an answer than we mm. did before the start. Like, we don't know where the ship came well, from. Well, fair idea. We don't know who the or dead when person it came was. From. <laughs> <laughs> or how it came No. <laughs> Get back in your hovel. No, you're, we don't you're know right. why it was so important. Yeah, no, What what is the deal with this ship? We should at least have a vague idea of this, this MacGuffin that everyone's chasing after, what the point of it is, and we don't. And, like, does it ever come back? Like, I'll be shocked if we ever hear about this thing again. Yeah, almost yeah, definitely. If anyone hears about this ever again. Yeah. Yeah, no. It's, it's pointless. And we didn't learn anything about, like, uh, uh, just, ah, uh, ah. <laughs> Basically, Matt, what was your bad thing? I already talked about oh, yeah. it was the the horrible <laughs> screeching of the Tholians clawing its way into my eardrums. Has it has it stopped yet? The screeching of the Tholians. You still hear the screeching of the Tholians. <laughs> um, I, my bad thing Tuffins is basically nipples. That's that. <laughs> my my bad thing is basically Gav's uh, bad thing is uh, every time stuff happens with the temporal cold war, I hope this is the episode where it's going to start making sense, and it hasn't happened yet. Just uh, enough, guys. We don't and and looking on. I don't want to look at Memory Alpha because what it's going to say is this is episode ten of thirty-seven of the Temporal Cold War. Like, mm-hmm. I bet we're not even halfway through all this stuff yet. Temporal Cold War takes up like eighty percent of Enterprise. We're going to find out. I do know they dropped it before season four when things supposedly got better. Mm-hmm. So there's that. We may only have like a season and a half left of this. So that's something. Oh Lord. This is what we. I'm this, not a praying man, but this is what we get. Well, no, based on the fact that you you're trying to do the Christian cross uh, uh, gesture right now, and you're just sort of tapping <laughs> your chest like it's a communicator. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that much is certain. Hello, Jordy. <laughs> Matt to God. Matt to God. Damn it! Get over there. Get off your cloud and save my time. <laughs> Are you there, God? God? I think it's, you need. It's me, Margaret. <laughs> <laughs> God, I think you need to get down here and see this. Yeah, no, it, uh, uh, yeah. Okay. Yep. Anything else? Um, just have a quick look at my notes here. I'll just look over my notes. I'll just open this up here. Uh, yeah. Let's see. Dinosaur. But that's why did he leave a future, why did he leave a future, your notes sound more interesting than the episode. <laughs> but why is, <laughs> why did he leave a future database? Uh, well, he was the secret plant there watching things from the future and making sure everything would turn out okay. Mm. So that it, was his cheat sheet, I think. And then he, like, oh, he, he died to the didn't future he? or something? Yeah, he may have died, but because they're also... Sometimes they talk about history changing. Sometimes they talk about branching timelines. So I'm not super clear on he might be dead or he might only potentially be dead. That's also confusing. So he's Schrodinger's crewman. Yeah, basically. Because the thing is, if he's dead, that's fine. Mm-hmm. But then they'll just say, well, that was a different timeline and he's still alive. Because they've pulled that trick, I think, once before. And that makes it even stupider because nothing that happens matters because they can just say, well, yeah, that was an alternate version. This show might be dumb. What? <laughs> what? I think this show might be dumb. Yeah. This might this, be a dumb show. This is what we get for wishing on that monkey's paw that they do more serialization. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I wish they had running stories in this show, we said. That's what we get. Uh, never seen a monkey's um, paw. The bit where uh, <laughs> Trip says uh, that, well, what? That ship came from the future. And she said there's no evidence for that. And he says there's no evidence to contradict it. 
Uh, that's not that's, how it works. No, trip, that's not. Do you think all ships come from the future unless did, otherwise told? Did he just <laughs> trip explain science to the science officer? <laughs> I don't think you know the scientific method, really, because I'm the scientist on this ship. I think I probably do. I think I might know a little bit more about science than you do, said the inbred hick. <laughs> said the grease monkey who's pretty good at fixing stuff, but isn't exactly a scientist. Said the man who won three different bathtub races. <laughs> uh, so the man who can only fix the ship if he thinks of it like a fan boat. <laughs> All right. Anything else? Said the man who has gotten... who. <laughs> Is in the Guinness record for most leeches applied at one time. <laughs> <laughs> to one area of his body. Oh. No, that's Malcolm who did, who did that, and we should probably just leave that there. <laughs> what, the uh, leeches? Well, yeah, just let them suck him dry. That's fine. The leeches. <laughs> uh, okay, have you got an alternate title for us? Uh, yes, Suleban 2, The Legend Continues. <laughs> if only it was only two. Uh Matt, what do you got? Future Schmucher. Yeah, that's pretty good. I went with the fact that they have used some variation of this title 10,000 times before mm-hmm. in our in our uh, infamously hated past tense, among others. Yep. Uh, there, there was one called Present Tense, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I figured they should just call this one Future Pluperfect Subjunctive. I like that. They should, they, they should conjugate this into a better episode. Is this the new Eye of the Beholder? <laughs> it basically is. I mean, yeah. they're variations on a theme, but it's a dumb theme. Uh-huh. Grammar jokes. Ugh. I mean, it's that in Latin. Matt was so happy that we did the final Latin title <laughs> in all of Star Trek, and now Discovery just keeps rolling out more. Yep. Long ones, too. So, you don't like Latin, do you? <laughs> it's like that scene in uh, Life of Brian. Where- uh-huh. Conjugate the verb. <laughs> yeah. So I look forward to Dave having to read some of those titles for us. I look forward to Magic to Drive the Sanest Man Mad. Hey, that was a good episode, man. It was a good episode. <laughs> all right. That's all for this time. Um, exciting news. We will be doing, I, what is it, like the fourth or fifth annual now? Like, there's uh, definitely a tradition day, yeah. at this point. Uh, holiday. Do we still call it a crossover? Because you guys retired your show, so I'm not sure if we're crossing over. But we're we're Holiday having you guys heat. Yeah, we're 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 doing our our Christmas meetup to review other things other than Star Trek mm-hmm. uh, with with uh, Gav and his friend, who is also named Gav. Mm-hmm. Uh, to avoid confusion, we refer to them as Irish and English Gav. Um, and we will be uh, sort of exchanging gifts. They give us something to review. We give them something to review. Yep. And in keeping with it being around Christmas time, they will be holiday themed episodes of things. So yep. uh, should be a good time. That's that's coming up. We just discussed that before we started recording. So it's definitely happening. We mm-hmm. have some fun stuff in mind. So that should be exciting. Yeah. See ya, folks. The Post-Atomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Copyright 2017. Please don't sue us. We're... We're we're still just doing this.